there's a chill in the air. Dark things are afoot. There's a certain sense of sinister doings in the shadows. The year hinges on this moment between daylight and darkness. This is the pivotal, magical hour. This is the axis upon which the Strictly series turns. This is Halloween. Light up the candles, warm up the mead, stick some glitter on that turnip and make me a fancy jack-o'-lantern. And welcome to the Keep Dancing podcast. I'm Ellie and I'm your host. Tonight I'm joined by John. Hello. And Lisa. Hello. To talk Halloween week. We are your 100% unofficial, unexpurgated and appropriately spooky source of Strictly Come Dancing analysis and opinions. We aren't neutral. We aren't always polite. But we are draped in cobwebs and plastic bats. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email us at keepdancingpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at keepdancingpod. We'd love to hear your views, theories and general screams of terror. So Halloween, who, who doesn't love a good plastic trident and some blacked out teeth? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's what we live for. <laughs> I did really enjoy the 18th century uh, costume nonsense that started out the show yesterday. I thought that was um, a nice, elegant take on some understated spook because I'm, I'm much more a sort of ivy and cobwebs Halloween person than an orange and purple and green Halloween person. No, I'm just looking at my notebook and going, oh my God, it's all, it's all orange, green and, and red. So, uh, so, so John, basically orange, green, and red. <laughs> did you? Did you? Was that just the crayons you had access to, or I? It, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a restricted palette, as it were, and uh, so I just went with orange, primarily, dominantly orange. And how do you like your strictly Halloween, Lisa? What colour should I, it be? I like any Halloween, strictly or not, to be as goth as it possibly can be, because that is me as a teenager, and. <laughs> And I still leak gothic tendencies into a few things. So the more black, purple, spiders, skeletons, that sort of thing, I'm happy. Well, we'll just give us 10 seconds while we all don the eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of the episodes that we've had this year, I thought, I, I felt and I thought that there was a very serious first half second half discrepancy in the entertainment value the running order used to really intersperse the fun stuff in with the terrible stuff but it seems that this year we're not doing that and we're we're okay with quite a slow start yes this and is this is uh where are we four weeks now where we've had real kind of an obvious like first half second half definitely the first there it feels like they're piling all the ones that are not so good in the first half and putting all the good stuff in the second half that feels kind of weird what time does x-factor start <coughs> dance five 
No, after the show. They're not oh. they don't overlap at all at the moment. Oh crazy. Not not that I'm watching X Factor anymore. <laughs> wow, how fickle, how fickle of you. Uh, I, I didn't I, watch it in the first place, to be fair. <laughs> John. I, I feel a sort of a bit I feel a bit let down by that idea that, that it's that you start off with the with the less entertaining acts. I would rather have a mix. I think there is there is something to be said for having a low point and a high point. Um because it just it just leaves me thinking, oh, it's like you can't really be bothered. I don't mean the dancers, but as in as in the the because I totally accept that not everybody is going to be a strong dancer. Um, but it just sort of makes me think, well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you mix it up? I don't I don't get it. Are we just overly accustomed to the Krista Bjorkman sawtooth? <laughs> which, I was going to say <laughs> which. Um, so this is going to need some unpacking for our non Eurovision listeners. Um, I don't even know where to begin. First, I have to explain who Krista Bjorkman is. Then I have to explain about the difference between random and producer-led running orders. And then... Just Google it. You have started this, so I think you need to carry on. Yeah. Just Google Krista Bjorkman's sawtooth, and you... It's it's, it's totally safe for work. No, but as a... As a... a (laughs) Good advice. Uh, As a... As a member of the audience i just want to be entertained i don't want to sit there and go oh, that wasn't very good that wasn't very good that wasn't very good i, I do want to i want some highs and some lows you know because i'm a fussy member of the audience yeah we were yeah. we were very nearly right uh last week with our prediction uh before the dancers had been announced that debbie would be closing the show with her charleston i think it's only the fact that aston's yeah. paso doble was slightly more high energy that made that be not the case yeah, I think you're probably right. How long do they spend rehearsing on each uh, number? I mean, you're led to believe that they've been rehearsing it for a week, but presumably they've been rehearsing it for like two or three weeks. Do we know? Uh, actually, it's days. It's days. Oh, really? It's days. They uh, they do the choreo on a Sunday, usually, the pros. And then it's pro dance rehearsals on the Monday morning. And then the pros have got Monday night and or Tuesday morning to get to wherever the celebrity is, which is why uh, Kevin flies up to Glasgow or gets the sleeper train on a Monday. And then you've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to learn the routine in the studio, you, you know, which may be, you know, time taken up by your actual day job, your family, Uh, your children, you're being forced to film unfunny, irritating training VTs, uh, you know, random trips to theme parks, wing walking. (laughs) I I was going to say, Ellie, I think you've got, you've really only got Tuesday and Wednesday to work on the dance because Thursday, that's, that's when you're doing your wing walking and your, you know, crazy comedy VT if they need you to go out somewhere. So you you almost lose Thursday. Yeah. Them. You, you call it comedy VT. I mean, are, are you being amusing or, or is that a statement of fact? Are we being amusing? Well, I'm just checking with Lisa. You no, know, n- nobody is being amusing in the production. <laughs> or con- Disappointingly no, so. Nobody's being amusing in the... Uh, in the consumption or completion of these comedy VTs. 
It's it's more like an ironic use of the word comedy, maybe. Okay, okay. I just sorry, I just wanted to clarify, just to, yeah. you know, I hate there to be a misunderstanding after all. I I have actually laughed at them, and uh, <laughs> so last year I did actually start laughing when Danny Mac was really really committing to some terrible puns. You know, they <laughs> they usually do a funny pun at the end of their VT because uh, comedy writing is one of the BBC's strengths. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, Danny Mac really committed to not being able to do a pun. How did we get here? Oh, because I asked about. It. So they really are rehearsing their. Re- what we see on Saturday night has been rehearsed during the week. Yep. Yeah. Wow! Wow! That's I was obviously cynical before. And not even the whole week because there is all the faffing about that they have to do in order to get the show out yeah and on friday on friday when do they move to the studio ellie is that friday friday uh so yeah the it's uh fittings and nonsense on friday and then band check dress rehearsal live show on saturday that makes some of what that that makes some of the good stuff a real achievement and some of the bad forgivable really um i just yeah, I just found that, like like you, I suspect, I found the first half just a bit sort of like, oh, okay. Which is a well, shame, yeah. which is a shame, because there, there was a couple of dancers I had really high hopes for. In fact, speaking of the dancers, shall we do this critiquing thing that we do? <laughs> I think so. the cha-cha-cha and plotting a course for the finest pirate booty it's Johnny Peacock and his partner Oti sporting two extreme pirate locks which delighted my heart Uh, but Oti during the week had led us to believe that Johnny Peacock's hip hip action was going to be a bit of a thing Mm. And uh, it, it seems like maybe it was a bit of a thing in rehearsals and everything, but on the night, he just seemed like something wasn't right. He didn't yeah. look like he was enjoying himself. No. He just looked comfortable and very like, I, I need this to be over. He's not very good at pretending he's feeling something other than he is actually feeling. Hmm. Well, he's not an actor. No. So I suppose that, that makes it all the more difficult. I interrupted you, Lisa. You must speak. I think I was probably going to say something very similar. I I really, really, really wanted to like this. I want to like Johnny every week. And sometimes I just don't so much. Yeah. I mean, I still love Johnny, obviously. But, yeah, this was a... Oh... I feel bad saying it was a bit of a flat show opener, but it really was. And they stashed their they stashed their three good ones, as we knew, like at the very end. And they needed either Debbie or Aston or Alexandra to do the opener. They just because it's Halloween. Yeah. No, I said they needed a big flashy one, and they just 
didn't have it in Johnny and OT, unfortunately. Alas, alas, and alack. I just don't want him to feel. <clears throat> I don't want to. I, I don't want to see him looking down. I know that's that's a ridiculous, a ridiculous expectation, given that I'm just sat there in front of the television watching the thing. But sometimes uh, in this episode, I've seen him sort of looking slightly forlorn and apologetic, or hinting at an apology. And I kind of, I kind of don't want to see that. I just, I just want him to. Just do it, and if it doesn't work, don't worry. Work harder next time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, do you he's, what he's quite a puppyish um, sort of yes. character. So, yeah. like when he's had a good dance, you can see it all over his face, and he's sort of bouncing around the the balcony. But you know, this weekend he'd not had such a good one. He felt like he'd let Oti down. He'd let the whole school down, uh, and <laughs> he, he, he looked yeah. like he'd been kicked. A face as yeah. long as a wet yeah. weekend. And he had... Yeah, yeah, you're right. And even, even when they were uh, made safe in the results show, they had the saddest-looking hug on the results <laughs> stage as well. It was, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this sort of level of complex emotion on, Saturday, on Sunday night BBC One. Oh. Poor Johnny. I, you know, I really, really want Johnny to do well every week. I, I've been a fan of Johnny since they announced he was going to be in the show. And I, I sort of will him to do well every week. And this really wasn't his best dance at all but you know he's he's not a dancer so what he's doing is fantastic so the traditional sportsman halloween plot point is sportsman learns to act and he singularly biffed that one yeah he did bless him but we still know. love him and we still love Oti. john what did you think i i don't know i don't know that i love him I don't know that I love him and I can't give him that sort of unconditional love. I do have certain expectations of him by now. And um, he just looks rather, he looks like he's not really enjoying it. Uh, so I, I kind of, I've got to say, I do kind of want him to go. Oh, there we are. John. Uh, but yes, Johnny uh, fights on another day and maybe he'll get back in some Latin or at least something that he vaguely enjoys next week. Dancing the quick step where Anton has forgotten his costume and looks totally normal. To totally no 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 wait. That's Ruth Langsford and her partner Anton. I did think that they didn't look dressed up. But I agree and the, and the internet agreed with us as well, you know. It's Halloween. What are you doing wearing a nice dress and sticking a fluffy ball on your ass? My lads, they are. <laughs> you just well, that, that, they were my plans. <laughs> they were my plans for Halloween. Are you saying that that's really dull? But, oh. I mean, but John, you weren't going out on Halloween. You were just going to be sitting at home watching the Bake Off. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I'm certainly not going out now. I'll just put my ball of fluff in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, John. Yeah, feeling really self-conscious now. God. You can take the ears off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'll just do that. I'll do, I'll nip out anyway, just to test the water, see what happens. Um, yeah, so I believe there was a quick step in this, but it was one of those ones where uh, I only saw it once live, 
and I think I was so busy looking for Anton's costume that I didn't notice the quick step. The problem is that normally um, an outrageous costuming choice uh, distracts from the quality or otherwise of the dance. But they've managed to do an amazing double distraction here where I can't really remember what they were wearing or what they did dance-wise. Yes. You're right. It, it, it is a double bluff, isn't it? Because if they'd been wearing a crazy costume, we wouldn't have noticed their dance. But the fact that they weren't wearing a crazy costume means that we noticed that they weren't wearing a crazy costume and not their dance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's true of Ruth as well. There, there was no... There was no Halloween. It's like, it's seriously, it is like they didn't get the memo. Like, like they just showed up. And, you know, when you show up to a party and everyone's dressed up to the nines and you're in like a pair of jeans. I mean, that was, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was me at the, at the British party at Eurovision this year. I showed up in jeans and everyone's all dressed up. You like, came really direct from Chernobyl, so you had an excuse. Yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> But do you know what I mean? It was like, it was like, why are you even there? Like, can we just can we just pause for a second to do a thought experiment on whether Anton de Beck or Tony Beak owns a pair of jeans? No. Oh God, I really hope he doesn't. Oh no, he does. Really he does. Hope he doesn't. He does. Do you remember the year that he won Rear of the Year with What's Her Face from Countdown? Not Rachel Riley. Previous uh, Rear one. of the Year isn't one of the ones I follow. European Cam Championship what? darts, no. yes. Rear of the Do Year, not no. I don't want to consider his rear. I don't right. want to. Listen, listen. Carol Vorderman and Anton Dubeck won Rear of the Year, like joint, a few years ago. And there was a picture of them in the papers, both wearing jeans. But they weren't so his he jeans, it was a stunt arse. <laughs> he might have borrowed them from Levi or somewhere. I, imagine, I don't know whether it's well. I mean, you did brief us by saying, you know, you did introduce us by saying that we weren't always polite. I just imagine that maybe it's quite bony. Well, you know, now that I his rear, and now that I come to think of his rear and his rear in jeans, I just imagine that it's quite bony. I d is that okay? I don't know whether that's a problem for you from <laughs> for an me, editing. For me, it's it, it's wearing a waistcoat all the time. He's somehow, yes. even yes. though even though the arse isn't the part of the body that wears waistcoats, his arse is wearing a waistcoat <laughs> all the time. So so this podcast has turned into an in-depth study of Anton Dubeck's backside. Um, you ask a question like you're in some way surprised or appalled, Lisa. I think it's perfectly, perfectly acceptable. Not it needs to cover we, everything. I believe. Fan, I'm a fan of Anton. I love Anton. But really? Oh. We are completing our Rethian message to um, <laughs> disgust, delight and uh, defame. Can I say a word about Anton, which isn't about his backside? Yes. Which is, I find him terrifying. There is something really, really scary about him and it's not because this week it's it's not because it was halloween it's because he just seems very angry uh, and 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 i see it when he <clears throat> when he answers back to the judges sometimes he'll sort of he'll say something which obviously he intends to be funny or dry or just sort of um 
borderline aggressive. And when he starts speaking, I just think, Anton, you need to stop now because you're coming across a little bit sort of... Well, he's just somebody that I'd want to avoid, really. I don't know. I don't know whether... Maybe I'm projecting. Does anybody... Do either of you experience that? I think... I mean, he, he's sleep-deprived because he's got twin babies. So, you know, that that's probably okay. not helping. Yeah, so he makes a little bit less sense than normal. But he is a big fan of the... Uh, uh, sorry, not sorry, joking, not joking joke. Mm. Right. Okay. Like, yeah. he, he will often say, like, uh, too much in the name of saying something in jest. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. But, yeah, there is... Um, uh, yes, that I don't know whether it's a sense of anger or frustration, but I do feel like maybe he thinks that he is more the star of Strictly than Strictly thinks he's the star of It. Mm-hmm. I think that may be a fair assessment. I will say, based on... Back to the dance from... Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's oh, not... oh. Do you remember that quick, that quick step? Vague quick step. Um, I will say I'm quite surprised that they weren't the other couple in the bottom two. Uh, that surprised me. Um, They're getting by on Ruth's name and Anton's fan base alone now. Yeah, and I think the fact that they had... In the audience, they had Ryland, they had Stacey, they had they had the big name crew there last night. I think that probably will have helped drag them through a little bit. Does Anton have a thing in his contract where he gets bumped up to the next rate if he makes it to the November shows? I don't know, but he's got this new album coming out of him singing, so he will, needs to be in it long enough to be plug the that sun, be bit the more. Sunday guest artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I never no. Want to hear that. I, I never, but I do not want to see that. Thank you very much. I never want to stumble on that on Spotify. I, I how about how about the idea of Anton doing a posthumous duet with Brucey uh, on the big screen, really schmaltzy? Ellie, I know it's Halloween, but seriously, stop scaring yeah. the British <laughs> public. Ellie, Ellie, you need to just stop that now. Stop, stop this, this imagination that you got. Yeah, this is silly. This is silly talk. Uh, yeah, I'd, but, I'd rather have I'd rather have Krista Bjorkman as the guest artist on a Sunday night. Thank yeah, we all much. know about you and Krista Bjorkman. That would be a fright. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing the American smooth and failing their food hygiene certificates in new interesting ways. It's Simon Rimmer and his partner Karen. Delilah is problematic. That food yes. storage solution was problematic. <laughs> The food consumption was problematic. The fact that it started out the week on Tuesday, this was announced as a Viennese waltz, clearly didn't have enough Viennese waltz content in it to make it such and became an American smooth Viennese waltz because whatever, he's going home anyway. It was problematic. It was really, really slow as well. You know, I remember Delilah being quite upbeat. This felt like a bit of a wander through the park. It was Uh, a bit of a funeral dirge, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. If if you're going to listen to a version of Delilah, uh, you should go for the sensational Alex Harvey Band's version of Delilah, which really um, it brings home the fact that you are listening to a song uh, about uh, a man inflicting sort of sexual revenge violence. Alex Hardy Band. Alex Harvey Band. Harvey Band. Okay, yeah. I've written. That. And I will go and research that. Yes, so this was a, an apparent Sweeney Todd type pie Viennese waltz thing. 
Well, it was a something and nothing Viennese waltz, American smooth, foxtrot. Did, it, did they have th- 30 seconds around the table before they got into hold? Oh. <laughs> I gave up watching it after about 10 seconds and started messing about on my phone. That, like, that's how interesting it was. I'm sorry. It was terrible. Oh, I mean, really, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. It was terrible. He was what? wandering around the table and he, was, he wasn't even bouncing around to the beat. It, it was awful, but, you know, going on what we have just previously said, Simon Rimmer is not a dancer. He's not been through stage school. He's, not, he's a chef and he's had 48 hours, really, to learn a dance and then a day to perfect it in the studio. Yeah, and for someone that's not had any kind of training before, it's, it's going to be harder. So it was awful, but I don't, I don't want that to sound really terrible. Also, doing the Charleston last week, Simon managed to aggravate uh, an old football injury and his entire legs were strapped up just so that mm. he could perform. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, mean, understand. I, I appreciate that you're being lovely and supportive and understanding, but also he seemed to have absolutely no knowledge where the beat was. Uh, and, and I just think that a key thing of dancing to the beat is being able to identify where it is. And I haven't seen him ever do that. Really. There's not enough musical education in schools, is there? That's the problem. Right. Let's get the drum out. Let's start banging it. No, I think, I mean, I, I think that is part, that is part of the problem in that people are just not taught music theory anymore. So, so how would they know? Um, and if, if you're not someone who just naturally appreciates music, I sort of get the impression that Simon Rimmer is not someone who just listens to music anyway. You know, so like a lot of us will have music on in the background while we're doing stuff. We, music is, well, music, as we know, is just a part of all of our lives. I sort of get the impression that it's not a part of Simon's life outside of doing Strictly. I don't think he's a music person. I cannot comprehend that. I mean, if that's the case, I cannot comprehend what that's like. No, I, I don't really... Yeah, I don't really know what it's like to hear music and not sort of do a deep listen to it. <coughs> Oh, come and spend time with my family. None of them are into music. I'm like the weird kid. I mean, I'm the weird kid in the family anyway. But on that level, yeah, I'm the only musical person in my family. But there are these people who buy like one album a year or will just have the radio on mainly for the talking between the songs. Yeah, that's my mum. <laughs> in fact, I don't think she's bought an album for uh, decades. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, wow. Really judgmental now, and I don't, I don't mean to, but that seems like, like she's missing out. She's missing out on loads of joy. Yeah, it's weird though. She likes music when it comes on. Like if we go to a wedding, she'll be, you know, she'll be the first one up on the dance floor and the last one to leave. But she doesn't buy music. They don't have music on in the car while they're travelling or anything like that. My parents. Mm-hmm. Anyway, ah. anyway, uh, again, we have now gone into another scary Halloween cul-de-sac. The idea of a world without music. <laughs> Who are we talking about? Oh, Simon. Simon, Sorry. Simon, Simon. Um, I did like Karen's frock. I do always, yes. I do always like a, a distressed, uh, you know, he- historical frock, and that was certainly one of those. We Lisa. did say last week we'd like some steampunk, and that was definitely heading down the steampunk road. So that made me happy. Yes. And that is that for that. <laughs> 
sensing the jive and combining the metaphorical hell of high school with the actual hell of the Hellmouth and associated vampires, it's Gemma Atkinson and her partner, Aliash, who are not portraying Buffy and Angel, lawyers for Warner Brothers. We're still not into the sort of the, the really good part of the evening, but I thought this was a sort of a highlight of the first half. Well, it was the only highlight in the first half. I mean, there really wasn't anything else in the first half to even cling on to. I did think that Gemma made a lovely Buffy. Gemma... I thought Aliash looked fabulous. Isn't David Boreanaz, isn't his family from a similar part of Europe as Aliash? Oh, live Googling. Live Googling is occurring. <laughs> I, no, let me, while you're, while you're Googling, I thought, I mean, most of the makeup, I won't say all because Anton and Ruth clearly just had a bit of foundation and powder on, but the, the rest of them all looked great on the makeup front, but Ali Ash was definitely one of my favourites. And that is props to the lovely Bryony Blake, I discovered on his... Well, well done, Bryony Blake. Well, I have some Google news. So Ali Ash Skorianac is our favourite Slovenian pro. And guess who is also of Slovenian extraction? David Boreanaz. Ah, oh, there you go. There we go. Dance-wise, now we're having this winner's jive in week four business. I feel like any good jives that come along between week four and the final are a bit just sort of ho-hum. I just thought it was a bit tired. I gave her a three in my special scoreboard. Oh, my goodness. Um, you plague you. <laughs> no, I just thought, oh, this is really dull. And um, and I have to say, I'm going to show myself up as a bit of an arse here, but I still don't really know who she is. Uh, and I wouldn't be able to pick her out from a lineup. Um, I'd probably pick out Ali Ash first because he has that ridiculous sort of poppy dog smile. Um, but I just don't know who she is, what she does, or why she's there. You don't know Gemma Atkinson because you did not read Nuts, Zoo, Loaded or FHM in the first decade of the new millennium. So what you're saying is it's not entirely my fault? No. No, OK, right. I'd, um, still, I just... I'd, I'd, I did write down the word tired uh, and that wasn't a reflection of how I was feeling at the time. I, it was just a reflection of... It's just like, oh, she wasn't really into it. Um, and she had been previously. You know, in previous weeks, she'd done very well according to the thoroughly good you know, scoreboard. Uh, it just didn't really move me. Sorry. Don't apologise for it. We want your authentic reaction to Gemma's jive. <laughs> well, it was tired. It was boring. I wanted it to stop. There we are. I am sort of with you on the in the fact that I didn't know who Gemma was before she started doing this, and I still don't really know who she is or what she does beyond Strictly. Because, because to be honest, I'm not that bothered. They could have 16 members of the general public and I would still watch the mm. show and enjoy it because it's not about who the celebrity is or, or whether I've heard of them before. If they had Maybe. 16 members of the public, then they could have some new job-related uh, week one dancers. They could, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it, so it, it, it doesn't bother me who they are or what they've done or whether I've even heard of them before. Um, and... I think I said last week, for me, Gemma was just one of those, like, generic pretty girls. Um, but I really look forward to her dances. For me, she's the one that's kind of 
sailed out of the pack of generic pretty girls to something that I look forward to seeing what she's done. Something, somebody that I look forward to seeing um, on a Saturday night. So I, I didn't think this was bad at all. I think you're right in that the jive, the jive is generally poisoned from week five to week to the final mm-hmm. because whoever is going to win has done their jive. So if you haven't done your jive before week four and you're not in the winning trio, then your your jive is poisoned and everyone's going to think it's a bit flat. So I think that's unfortunate. Do we have a winning trio now then? Do you think we have a winning trio? Yeah. We've got our three finalists, haven't we? Debbie, Aston, Alexandra. Alexandra, yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. I mean, unless anything drastic happens in Act 2, but I can't see that happening because... Johnny Peacock learns to act. No. No. (laughs) No, that's the thing. We've kind of got our formula and... The formula this year has been very, very clear and very obvious, it, more so than ever. Uh, they've not made a secret of the fact that it's three acts and we've had the ramp up and now we've dropped and now, we, you know, maybe we just called them out on it and they went, oh, well, I guess everyone knows we're doing it. So It's still enjoyable. I think, you know, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though you go, even though you know the shape of a particular performance of a well-loved play, you still turn up. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Although I have to say, actually, even though we haven't really got to the end of the dances yet, um, <clears throat> I didn't realise the extent to which I had higher expectations for the Halloween episode. I remember watching the Halloween episode last year and the year before that and feeling completely swept away by the excitement of the moment. And um, it was like, oh, hooray, it's Halloween. And I generally despise Halloween in the same way that I despise most contrived fun. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, but I didn't really get that this time. I just sort of thought, oh, we're doing another themed week. Yes, I I would agree with that. I, it, it was a good week, but it wasn't the Halloweens of yesteryear. Yeah, it That's is normally say. more deliriously silly. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, I did enjoy Gemma's jive. I loved her frock. I loved the little leather jacket. I thought it looked like you could wear it straight out on a sort of a low-key Halloween night. You know, just, just wear that straight out on Tuesday. Fantastic. Definitely. I'd wear that. No problem. I would probably wear different shoes, though. Well, I, d- I did actually yeah. think the Latin shoes didn't look great with it. But, you know, no, it's Latin. You've got to do it in Latin shoes. Yes, you don't have an awful lot of an option, do you? No, I mean, I think the most appropriate sort of costume-wise footwear for her would have been some nice little biker boots or something. But you're not going to be able to fully extend the ankle and do your kicks and flicks with an ankle boot on. Somebody had boots. Was it Karen? Karen wasn't wearing boots. Karen was wearing... socks with... Yeah, cute little net socks with some uh, ballroom shoes on. Yeah, that looks really cute. Really like that. We didn't say that, did we? No, we I didn't think. mention that. Karen, look, Karen looked great. Yes, but she did noticeably get tired or lose concentration about two-thirds of the way through. And, mm. you know, when you are going to be compared to Alexandra, who found new reserves of geothermal energy with which <laughs> to power her jive, when she, uh, when you know, when the lactic acid starts to build up, <laughs> you know, you're just never going to look as good. And that was Gemma. Dancing the fox 
strut. It's Susan of House Calman, the first of her name, the unburnt, queen of the dance floor, the balcony and the public vote, queen of Twitter, Khaleesi who makes a great cup of tea, protector of Radio 4, lady regularly on the Cali sleeper, breaker of Kevin and mother of dragons. It's Susan Calman and her partner, Kevin. Well done, Ellie. Congratulations. You deserve a BAFTA nomination for that. <laughs> Writing or performing? <laughs> both, darling, both. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, uh, I mean, they really built this up. I was overly excited about this. And to be honest, I think so were Susan and Kevin. Something happened to me when I watched Susan. And it sort of, it starts, it starts sort of in my heart, but it's not like acid reflux or indigestion or anything but it makes me feel all warm and then I find that sort of a spontaneous muscle twitch occurs in my cheeks and they sort of pull upwards and then I bare my teeth in a sort of a crescent shape what's that? I don't um, am I, smiling, am I smiling? So, like you're smiling actually yes. well I do that constantly whenever Susan and Kevin are dancing there was a proper when you order something on the internet versus when it arrives dealio with the costuming. And I know they did absolutely the best that they could. But Jon Snow's hair isn't that black. Jon Snow wigs are dark brown. They are, uh, Jon Snow has the colour hair of the unwashed indie shoe shuffler that you were dancing with in Sheffield. I, you, you I... the podcast audience. I wasn't really paying as close attention to Kevin, which is unusual for me. Uh, I wasn't paying as close attention to Kevin Clifton as perhaps I would have done in previous weeks. Uh, so I can't really comment on the hair. But I did I did think that it was great. I basically love every moment that Susan is on, is on the stage. Um, <laughs> we saw a return of our good friend, the oh, legendary medium-sized <laughs> dragon. <laughs> I loved it. I there was the first thing I thought. I was like, the medium-sized dragon's back, and he's had a makeover for Halloween, and I love him being there. Yeah, with his <laughs> fabulous little holographic wings as well. He looked great. He's like the star of the show now, isn't he? Every year we need to have a medium-sized dragon, no matter what. Yeah, it's very important, John. You weren't here for this last year. It's very important that any dragon props, uh, neither fully impressively large nor comically small, but they're just sort of awkwardly medium-sized. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely understand why. It's like, this is what we can afford. This is what we can afford, and here it is, and that's what you're going to get. The next one up doesn't fit through the doors, and... <laughs> yes, yeah, we couldn't get in a taxi, so we haven't got that one. We've got this one. <laughs> it's, out, it, it's purely based on how much space they have in the truck when coming back from the big props warehouse. And they were they were bringing Karen's table and all of those prop pot pies. Yeah, it was quite prop heavy, wasn't it? So they didn't have room for a massive dragon, unfortunately. Um, this was this was like cosplay at its finest, wasn't it? I mean, this is this is what you want from cosplay, right? I mean, I thought it was great. <laughs> I have seen more screen accurate Danny's and Johns. Yeah, but cosplay doesn't have to be screen accurate. It just has to be... It has to convey the uh, sort of yeah. essentials of the character. And I think... To be honest, it, it wasn't TV Danny and John. It was fanfic Danny and John, where they are prancing around their castle, being delighted with one another. We don't mind a bit of fan fanfic. That's fine. 
It was charming, and and yeah. really, I think I I spoke to a friend of mine uh, yesterday about who has been watching Susan um, over the weeks, and she was saying that out of everybody, Susan is the one for her who who not only wanted to do it, but has really put every every ounce of effort into it, and clearly enjoys every single moment. And the other thing that she that she pulls off seemingly effortlessly is that she communicates that every time that she's on camera, uh, and and it's sort of a, it, it's not a secret thing, it's not a magic thing, but but only a handful of people I know can do that. And when you see it on, on screen, it just it's it's that that makes you smile, and and you realise at the end of three minutes you think, oh my god, I've just been smiling for after seemingly absolutely no reason, uh, and and that's that's Susan Kalman. That's why I just basically give her top marks all the time because she's just a breath of fresh air. What she has is one of the things that you need to be able to do well in Strictly, which is she can look down the camera. She yeah. knows where the camera is. She's a TV presenter. Yeah. She knows which one is on. And she knows how to look down it in a, sort of a natural and not intense Ed Miliband way. Unless she's going for, you know, sexually intense Ed Miliband. I am, even, I am, even, I am conjuring up the images tonight. Um, even when she's done something really exhausting or she's been subjected to something that's been really testing... Uh, she's still able to pull something out of the hat and and down the camera. I just love her, love her to bits. She will definitely be going up to the sort of the Sandy Toxvig tier or the tier that Sandy Toxvig has recently vacated, basically, in terms of presenting (laughs) jobs. Oh, definitely. She's she's definitely in that Sandy Toxvig. Future national treasure. Corner of of entertainment world. And and I would love to see Sandy do uh, Strictly Come Dancing. That would be fun. That would be nice. If we can tempt her back from Channel 4. Lisa, you haven't weighed in on this yet, I think, on Susan. On, on Susan? Well, because, you know, Susan's not the best dancer there and she is the first to admit that on Twitter. I don't care. She can continue to not be the best dancer on my TV, you know, right up until semi-finals. Yeah. I don't, like, I'm happy for her to, I'm happy to watch someone be happy. I have a burning secret where Susan is concerned. Yes. Uh, which is that um, uh, this is not going to go down very well. But I would, but I have this secret that the sort of secret hope that maybe quite unexpectedly, uh, defying the odds, Susan will make it to the final three, and that will make that will make the final just the most gripping piece of television. Even though even though we all know that she won't win, I would just love it. I would love it if she made it to the final three, because then I'd feel like she had won. Oh, come on, John. They said that about about Portugal, about Salvador this year. It's a lovely song. It's never going to make it. Look what happened. Yeah, and it's also the same thing that I basically say about the UK's entry every single year of the Eurovision, and that never happens either. You'd think that I would have learned by now. Well, well, that's a whole other podcast. Is Susan (laughs) going to be more Salvador or more Electro Velvet? Who knows? Only time will tell. Dancing the cha-cha. It's Kylie. Ky- Ky- Mom, Kylie's on the TV. Mom. Oh, it's not. It's not Kylie. It's Molly King and her partner AJ. So, Lisa, do you prefer this song that's called "Better the Devil You Know," or do you prefer some other song that's called "Better the Devil You Know"? See, I said that last time, and I thought, oh, she's not going to bring that up again, and then I won't look like an idiot. So. <laughs> I'm not answering that question. 
Fine. I really enjoyed Molly's outfit. I thought the red uh, bead trim catsuit looked absolutely cute. The horn prosthetics were adorable. The trident less so, but never mind. I've never wanted trident replaced anyway. Really, I mean, when I watched this on the Saturday night, it did look like a convincing piece of party Latin, and Molly was sort of fairly convincing as, ooh, party devil. Uh, but when we saw this dance again, it was exposed for the hollow sham that it was. Lisa. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, I, I, it was quite slow, wasn't it? I felt like the, the whole track was quite slow for a cha-cha. Um, maybe, uh, but it was probably... Maybe they, just made it, maybe they just made it feel slower and made it feel a bit more laboured and a bit more kind of... You know, yeah, see, so I will come back and say it then. Yeah. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. Uh-huh. See, it's snappier. Stop, stop her now. Stop her now. No, stop it. Anyway, so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there would have been better songs for Molly to cha cha to, but I think I would have been much more engaged if it had been Gemma in the red cat suit uh, giving it Laldi to Kylie than Molly. Because I don't believe in Molly as the kind of person who, like, goes running to the dance floor when Kylie comes on, like, knocking people's pints out of the way and hitting people in the face with a handbag. I would, no, believe, that of, I would believe that of Gemma. Molly sort of chair dances to Kylie at best. Yeah, no, Molly's not even in the room, is she? She's at the polo, so, you know... Oh, yes. They don't play Kylie at the polo. They don't play Kylie at the polo. <laughs> that could be the name of the podcast. <laughs> Actually, no, it's the night is dark and full of medium-sized dragons. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I, as, a, as a set, I, I liked Molly and AJ in combination this week. I thought, you know, styling-wise and, 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 you know, the costumes and the way they looked and everything. I, I thought they looked really good. I'll... You know, they they looked like a. Do I say it? Go on. <laughs> they looked like a really good novelty salt and pepper set. <laughs> <laughs> the first time round, I somehow managed to bend this to make a joke about cruet sets. I will leave this as an exercise yeah, for the listener. How did you do that? How did you do that? I can't remember. I, I don't know. It's, I, I will leave it as an exercise to the listener. I can I just say can I just say I, about this pairing? This yes, particular, yes. Is that during this particular dance, I wasn't really concentrating on Molly. Uh, I can confirm that I think that AJ was wearing much much better trousers than the indefensible uh, pale pink numbers last week. Yeah, yeah they were they were atrocious. Uh, th- this pair were much better, and I think the overall horns were particularly fine as well. Um, I I have. I am increasingly taking a shine to AJ. There we are. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there so that everybody knows. I just think it's better to confess. I have no no comments about the dance. I'm just, you know, that that's all I can really say. I think a, a, the, a straight-legged cat suit uh, with the uh, sort of strappy jodhpur bit. Horsey Molly is probably quite at home in those. And it also really um, shows off that you're snapping your legs straight for the cha-cha leg action. So, nice costume-enhancing dance choice. It was nice to watch as well. Um, I, I enjoyed watching it. It was, it was good. 
but and when you say and when you say I enjoyed watching it, you mean I enjoyed watching AJ? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I've already confessed that. I'm, my attention is is basically focused on AJ. I think it's okay to okay. say that. I'm I'm I know embarrassed about that uh but as a, as a complete thing uh i also enjoyed the dance which surely is the point i think so i think the dance is the point um well it's not it's not the major point is it i mean it's <laughs> it, it happens i don't just mean molly and AJ. i mean just in general the dancing is what 30 percent of the show we're here for the whole variety show we're here for the circus we're here for the hoopla we are exactly. here for the hoopla the hoopla I like that. Yes. I must write that down. We are here for the hoopla. Um, that's, actually, that's an, that would be an interesting study. How, like, how much of Strictly is about the dancing? Because I swear it's no more than 30%. I calculated it as being 15 to 20%. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's all we've got for Molly and AJ just now. Dancing the tango and biting great big chunks out of her partner who tastes like Patanegra ham and excitement. It's Alexandra Burke and her partner, Gorka. Finally, the show starts. Yes. Yes. After the enjoyable pre credit sequence that was Susan dancing with Kevin, finally, we get Alex, we get Alexandra bursting onto the scene full of energy and pizzazz and Gorka not quite knowing what's hit him. What a lovely tango. She is an amazing dancer. She's amazing to watch. Um, she has terrific energy. Uh, and my God, her legs are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, uh, she's just... She's... Well, she's just a, an enormous amount of energy. Uh, and that's, that's really... That's really all I have to say. I think she's an amazing woman. So when Alexandra, when Alexandra won the X Factor and then did that sort of weird post-X Factor disappearing act that they do, mm. there were a lot of people in the sort of pop journalism world saying, we, we're throwing away like, a huge star here. Like, why are we letting her be sort of held within the psycho structure when she should be, you know, four number ones a year and sell out world tours? Is it possible that Strictly is going to give her that little platform she needs to be Alexandra Burke megastar? Absolutely. I think, I think Alexandra Burke, and I, it was a long time ago she won the X Factor, but <laughs> she is the absolute like prime example of the reason you don't want to win x factor you know you want to take part you want to get to the lives <laughs> that's a whole other part of my life but you know you do want to get to the live shows but dear god you do not want to win the thing or you are buried by psycho for three years and there's nothing you can do to get out of it unless you've got billions of pounds in the bank yeah it took sarah alto until this week to get onto a different label and actually get something released. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, <coughs> gosh, the last thing you want to do when you enter X Factor is win the flipping thing. But back to Alexandra. She is... Like, she's got so much star quality and that's why you can't take your eyes off of her. Uh, like, her powerful moves and her precision when she's dancing. And I know that 
whenever we get Anne on the podcast, she is not happy yet about Alexandra's sort of particular Latin and ballroom technique and her yeah. specific foot positioning. But in terms yeah. of the full showbiz ex um, experience, that's what Alexandra's giving us. Absolutely. The, the, whole, the whole setup and look of this dance. For me, this was the first dance that where the music and the dance and the styling and the lighting and the video and everything kind of came together to provide the full package. Everything had been a little bit off until then. And this on the television looked amazing. The, the props with those um, wire cage things at the beginning was great. The lighting looked phenomenal. Yes. And really, really. The, the music and the dance were both sort of excitingly feral. Yeah, absolutely. The whole, the whole theme came together. It, it worked. Everything worked. And, you know, I know we sort of mentioned things like the lighting and the video and stuff like that. That goes a long way in kind of upping what the public see. So even if the dance is not so good, not that this one wasn't, you can drag up some votes by just putting good lighting and good camera angles and good stuff at it. Yeah. <laughs> where I mean, it's like this, where the dance is brilliant and then you put brilliant effects at it, it's going to... Excel. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if this was an actual dance competition, all of these dancers would be performed against a very institutional sort of church hall type yes. backdrop. Absolutely. Rather than being given the full uh, sort of 360 degrees Eurovision treatment. Well, I, I, hang on. Hang on. It's <laughs> <laughs> in the pyro machine that Strictly have bought. It's not quite what they have at Eurovision, but, you know. John, would you like to talk about Alexandra, or have I already come to you? I think that I've said all I can possibly say about her. So I won't say any more. Okay, go Alex, all the way to the final. Dancing the rumba after having been oiled and glittered by the most professional glam squad in TV, it's David Gadami and his partner, Nadia. So, David, his acting, is it pained? Is it, have I left the gas on? Is it, <laughs> is it somebody stood on my foot? Yeah, it's one fixed gaze, isn't it? It's one, one sort of, and the mouth is slightly open. He looks surprised and also worried. Um, I think that he, he looked, he looked a little bit more supple. Uh, than he did last week. Um, I thought that he was essentially running around the dance floor last week, and he ha and his partner was following him. Uh, this this time, he looked like he he had it. Um, I think maybe if he was to do that same dance again next next week, uh, I'd be looking for possibly a little bit more grace. Um, it's it's. Yeah, it, he hasn't quite got it. He hasn't. You know, he's just a bit stiff. He's a bit lumpy in places. But still, it was very good. And he has the most remarkable chin—a uh, very pointy chin, which I think needs to be measured. And and I, I wonder whether he can burst balloons with it. He's chiselled in all manner of places. Yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, what do we think in general about Nadia's choreography as a new pro? I hmm. I sort of. 
I have found her choreography to be nice, but missing the point of Strictly, I think. What, as in you think it's a bit safe? Um, more like she's including bits of contemporary when that week's vibe is a bit more back to basics, or she's done a sort of a very nuts and bolts jive which could have done with, you know, they could have gotten away with some tricks. And if she choreographed all the grinding and stuff in the early weeks, which made everybody think that David was kind of uh, aggressive, then maybe her choreography is not what we'd want. I get you. It is very hard, isn't it, with, with the new pros that come in and, you know, we've lost two out of three of them already because, you yeah. know, with, in your first year, you usually get, I don't want to say a duffer, but you usually get one of the, you know, not even in the improvers group. But um, Katya, you know, last year, to... Katya last year got a duffer and with her combination of sort of skillful choreography, Ed Bowles' yeah. sense of humour and just her willingness to go weird... Her choreography really worked. Yeah, it did. I mean, there are there are other things, of course, that play that play into it as well. But it is really hard to get a sense of who who the new pros are as they come in. Um, and of course, gosh, AJ was new, wasn't he, last year? And he took Claudia, you know, almost all the way to the final. So I didn't like yeah. his choreography last year. No, I didn't like. I'm not don't like it this year either. But you know. We, we've got what we've got, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I I haven't quite got the measure of Nadia's choreography yet. I think she's, I think she is still trying to feel her way through it. I'm glad she's got David who at least can attempt to do what she's trying to say. You know, she didn't come in and get Brian, for instance. Yeah. Or, or Richard Coles, you know, bless him, I love him. But, you know, I'm sort of glad that Nadia didn't didn't have him because I feel like she's got more of a chance to figure it out with David. But yeah, I don't know. This dance left me kind of like I can't really remember it, and it, that's because it was sandwiched in the back half, which was by far the better half again. So yeah, but because of its tempo, it couldn't really go anywhere else. It couldn't go in the first half, which was already dragging. No. So it was, you know, thanks to the Krista Bjorkman sawtooth method, it's stuck where it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that one of the three of us has written an article about Krista Bjorkman's sawtooth method. So just Google that. To be honest, it made me mainly think about how much I enjoyed Natalie Lowe and Greg Rutherford's Halloween dance last year, where we awarded Natalie Nighty of the, Nighty of the Week. Yes, it reminded me of Nighty of the Week as well. <laughs> and it made me miss Natalie and Greg a little bit as well. Yeah. And have we had them do a rumbo to Shakespeare's sister? Because if I was going to be on Strictly and I wasn't allowed to just dance to... Um, oh, yeah, Abby Clancy and Aliash uh, did Stay by Shakespeare's sister. Oh, did they? Yeah. He was wearing basically the same outfit as David was wearing in, for his rumba. So that's perhaps where I was thinking about Shakespeare's sister. 
Although this time of year, I am mainly thinking of Shakespeare's <laughs> sister. Um, where am I? Glasgow. Good. Um, where, where am I metaphorically in this podcast? We're talking about David, and I think we've exhausted it because I'm now talking yes. about Shakespeare's sister. Dancing the foxtrot and reminding us all of our autumnal domestic hunting spider problems. It's Joe McFadden and his partner, Katya. Oh my gosh, they looked fabulous. I'm getting that in straight away. I adored that makeup. That was just brilliant. Joe, with his hair spiked up in his spider mouth, uh, looked like Billy Joe Armstrong out of Green Day. Yeah, he did. I, I sort of, I couldn't get past that. And then I was trying to work out why they were foxtrotting to Coldplay and why it was spider-themed. Uh, but it was, it was another that of one of those sort of... I wasn't in the production meeting when they proposed this combination of song, dance and costume, so I will never understand the reasoning. No, it, it, you're right. It was another one of those things that where everything was disjointed, but I didn't care because they looked brilliant this is this is my kind of halloween it's gothic it's black it's spiders it's purple it's this is how i want halloween to be not not fluffy bunnies and stuff that's easter it was really charming and i think that joe is um is actually really sweet in that he's sort of he, he comes across as someone who isn't really expecting the world and is probably assuming that this isn't this isn't necessarily going to work, and then it does work, and then it's like, oh, oh that, that was very good. He's, he's actually really sort of, he's self-facing on screen, uh, and that's rather charming. Um, he does. He comes across as being pleasantly surprised most of the time. Yeah. Um, as, as a dance, I'm not sure that it was, um, it wasn't especially sharp uh, um, or precise, but <clears throat> uh, I do like him, and, and I think that uh, he's... <laughs> just generally charming, really. It was it was a really nice foxtrot, and it was the closest thing that you would get in Halloween week to being allowed to just turn up and do the dance. Ten seconds with the prop at the start, ten seconds with the prop at the end, the rest of it, foxtrot. Yes. Agreed. Whilst, look, whilst looking fabulous. <laughs> yes, and that's maybe maybe that's as much as you need to do for Halloween. I actually think it is. I think, I think maybe I, I mean, we're, we're sort of saying that, you know, they, they sort of had the meeting and everyone was late and they just went, oh, that'll do. I actually wonder whether they've overthought it, whether they've over planned it. They've gone over the top on everything when actually the people that need to go over the top are costume and makeup. Everything else actually can be show up, do the dance. Like Coco Chanel said, uh, before you go out, take one thing off. And yes. uh, that applies as much to TV production as it does to accessorising. Dancing the Charleston and displaying this week's most alarming wigs, it's Debbie McGee and her partner Giovanni. Ah, dear. So this song, Frankie, I heard it a lot when I was growing up because it's on Now 5, which was the first Now That's What I Call Music album I ever had. Ah, How is that possible? I, I had that. I had Now 5. I'm sure I need to check on the internet. But, and you're younger than me. I didn't choose it from... Well, it was bought for me. I didn't toddle down to Woolworths. Well, yeah, no, I didn't buy it myself. <laughs> yeah, no, no, in fact, gosh... 
Gosh, I'm surprised. Okay, well, sorry, I've completely diverted the conversation. You must carry on because you were introducing. Um, yes, uh, so Debbie doing her Charleston, as we almost, as we predicted last week, that Debbie would be closing the show with her Charleston. We were one out, but we got the oh, dance yeah. right. I'm not sure that Frankie, with its sort of synthetic Motown vibe, is necessarily the most suitable dance for Charleston. And I did feel a bit left out when everybody was in raptures about it and it was getting all the tens. Because uh, I don't really like Charleston's and I don't really like mullets. And <laughs> yeah, I, do, I think that this one was just not for me. But I, found, I, found, I have to say, actually, I found her, um, I, I'm sort of amazed and slightly disgusted that I'm saying this, but I found her wig quite annoying uh, because it seemed to, it seemed quite distracting from what I've always regarded as uh, a dance that requires quite a lot of precision and demands a lot of attention on the feet. So that's generally during a, um, during that dance. That's generally where I will look, and 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 because of the the nature of the wig, would seem to shake around quite a lot. I can't quite believe that I'm going into this much detail. No, this but, is what you're here for. But, but uh, thanks, thanks. Um, uh, I I found that I found that wig sort of slightly uh, not very successful. Really, I mean, it's a great dance, and she is amazing, and obviously she's trained and she loves doing it, and it's great to see her doing it. Uh, but like you, Ellie, I wasn't. Um, wasn't enraptured. Lisa, what did you think? I think it just carried on the nothing quite fits together thing. And I have a bit of an issue with the whole wig thing. So they were, they were wearing those wigs because the theme of this dance, the story of this dance, was that the Bride of Frankenstein, but 1920s, was looking back on a prom night photo featuring her and Frank Dine as teenage sweethearts. One, I believe Mary Shelley would have issues with this plot. And two, chronologically, it just doesn't make sense without a time machine. Charleston, like most people on this podcast, I can't stand the Charleston and I wish it would disappear from the dance card but it's not going to because it's the one they think they can have the most fun with. This wasn't really a fun Charleston. That's not to say that all Charlestons have to be, you know, end of the pier, Benny Hill comedy, but this just really didn't work for me. And one of the big issues I seem to be having is only brunettes can do Charlestons. When you get your Charleston, you always get a brown wig stuck on your head. What, what is the issue with a blonde doing a Charleston? I believe Pixie Lott did a lovely Charleston as a blonde. <coughs> so how many years ago was that? Um, but, it was 2014. Yeah. She, so, was, she was blonde. I want to see some blondes doing Charlestons. You don't always have to cover their hair with a brown wig. And at this particular time a quite nasty wig <laughs> yeah it did look it did look like a Woolworths wig rather than a high-end costumer wig which yes. given that there were some really expensive wigs on show this week 
yeah. like the distribution of pyro in the budget, I feel that wig distribution should also be fair and sensitive. But presumably they weren't able to buy a more expensive wig because they paid out for the medium-sized dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what it is, basically? They spent all the money on the transport for the medium-sized dragon. You wouldn't come on the train to Elstree, and now they've got to get a wig from some party eBay. shop. eBay. eBay yeah. is where they got the wig that, from. That's <laughs> probably what it is. The medium-sized dragon, uh, he was being paid so much by the BBC that he, ha he was uh, in one of those little boxes in the Daily Mail when they revealed everybody's... Um, <laughs> pay structure it's him and chris evans up at the top yeah, yeah it's, it's a medium-sized dragon that is the cause of all the problems for the bbc yeah it's nothing to do with any editorial decisions no way well everybody knows that dragons like hoarding gold see a hobbit themed thing on for halloween that would have been great anyway um charleston debbie debbie yes that's what i was talking about i as you know i'm i'm on a big journey with debbie Last night kind of was a pause button. I don't feel like I went any further with her, but I feel like the Charleston was never going to be the week. So I look forward to seeing what she's got next week. I hope I can take that journey on the Debbie Road to Appreciation. She's not going anywhere. It's, it's not so much whether she's going anywhere. It's how I grow and develop my appreciation for her. I think uh, I think we are basically zeroing in on our final three. Looking at the YouTube oh, yeah. statistics, the only three people who've been leading in the YouTube views are Debbie, Aston, and Alexandra. So oh, shocking. That's kind of your final three that you're looking at there, and that seems to be set in now. Although this was the first week that Debbie's got more views on the Sunday night than Aston yeah. or Alexandra. I think I think we might see that sort of interchange though over the next few weeks with who gets the most views and but it will always be the three of them at the top. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of sad that we've got our three finalists already and we haven't even got to I mean we knew them 3 weeks ago we knew who the three finalists were going to be. So, you know, I I I would have liked for there to be a little bit more of a sorting hat moment but they whatever. might they might surprise us yet. Mm, I suspect not. This 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 series is turning out to be a series of non-surprises. So, In a frightening world, Strictly just has to keep chugging on. Yeah, and, and that's fine. Shall we do the last dance? Dancing the Paso Doble and making Kurt Cobain posthumously rethink this whole rock and roll thing, it's Aston Marigold and his partner, Jeanette. So this was the big one that they were saving. This was the guitar abuse by the Strictly Band. This was what Cassie from Strictly Support, uh, her kid said was just shouting, turn it off, which, bless. Um, <laughs> like I, th I think that as Cassie's kids grow up, she'll be able to tell when they've entered their sort of uh, mental teenager state by when it goes from... Stop it, mummy, it's just shouting to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, this, this is an iconic song for all of us who were of a certain age in the 90s. This is, you know, this is in the top of those iconic songs of that era. So I think 
quite a lot of us were sort of a little bit behind the sofa, hands over our eyes going, oh my gosh, what are they going to do to it? I nearly ate my whole fist. Yeah, exactly. And actually, (laughs) our fears were slightly unfounded because they did a really good job with it. I have have heard a lot worse versions of Smells Like Teen Spirit coming out of uh, practice room doors. Yes, absolutely. I, I was really, really impressed with... It was Jay. Is it James? Is he one of the vocalists? He was the one that was singing. The one, the the bloke that's not Lance was the guy who was singing. Yeah. Um. Actually, I think he did really well, and so definite props to Dave Arch on that one. Back to the dance floor. What uh, they were doing was brilliant. Yeah, he's, I loved he's, it. He's yes. the first of our uh, male celebrities this year to actually get paso shaping. Yes, Joe wasn't far off, but Aston took it to the next level. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. Yes, I really enjoyed it. I thought Aston's fantastic and um, and deserved his uh, thoroughly good 10 points that I gave him. Woo! Um, yeah, yeah. That might, that's, only the, that's only the third that I've given uh, so far this series. Um, I don't normally rely on my scoreboard quite so much when talking about Strictly, but I think that it's deserved then. Uh, he's, he's a joy to watch. It's very tight, very tight movement. Yes. Yep. I mean, it's I obviously, you know, like Alexandra and Debbie, his existing on stage moving to music experience is obviously <laughs> going to place him ahead of the rest of the pack. But you can't just sort of, you've got to have a bit of, something else to be really good at Strictly and Aston's probably got that yes yes it's I mean it, it's called the X Factor and I don't use that in terms of the show on the other side that that's kind of what it is it is that something that you can't quite put your finger on that takes you above and beyond and into this this kind of that certain, other realm. that certain je ne sais quoi yeah exactly um and and he's got it in, in spades. And I love that he's dancing with Jeanette. I love Jeanette. She's quirky and mad. And uh, and I love what she's doing with him. Um, they looked fantastic. Again, That her dress was was brilliant. Um, as were, I would say, all but one last night. That All the dresses were phenomenally good. Yeah. Which one? Which one wasn't good? It was Ruth. Because it was, it was just a nice dress. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it, but it wasn't right. It wasn't Halloween. Um, no. She's been going to an award ceremony, yeah. Well, yeah. now that we've had Smells Like Teen Spirit in the main show, I am looking forward to a dance to that very popular Christmas number one, Killing in the Name of, uh, in the Strictly Christmas episode. Are you? I feel, I feel you may be more likely to get that famous Christmas number one mistletoe wine, but, you know, carry on. Oh, no, no. Can we do a mashup? Oh, <laughs> uh, if we must. <laughs> a mashup. I think that song would wipe the floor with Cliff Richard, wouldn't it? Grief. Children singing Christian. Fuck you, won't do what you tell me. Um, um, anyway, Strong so... imagery. Strong imagery. It, it, Halloween imagery, Halloween. So that was the Saturday night show.
it's Sunday night. It's results time. And in the dance-off, we had Simon, not a surprise, but we had Molly as well, which means that in the public vote, we can say that Susan, Johnny, Ruth, and David are significantly out uh, voting her. Yes. Is this Molly's memory hole problem? Yes, I think absolutely. And like I said, I was surprised that Molly was in the bottom two. I genuinely thought Anton and Ruth would be in the bottom two. I thought it would be Johnny that would slip into the bottom two. Did you? Just because he was on earlier. He was, but he, he was dressed like it was Halloween. And he has he has the sporter vote. He's not the sport vote isn't split this year like it was last year. That's true. He he's got the sport vote. So I think Johnny's relatively safe for a, at least until Blackpool. Um, whereas Molly doesn't have a obvious voter base. <coughs> true. Agreed. I think so. I think that's the case. I did want to see Johnny in in the bottom two, just because I was rather sort of, there was nothing in his performance that made me think, oh, I really want to hang on to you. I want to see you again. Um, uh, But I suppose what the pleasing thing was, was that seeing Molly dance again made me go, no, actually, that was quite good in comparison, you know, after having seen Simon just completely do his terrible thing once again. Um, I think Molly's reprise in the dance-off looked totally joyless for sort of obvious because it's the dance-off yeah. reasons but obviously it was much better executed than Simon's and the result went the only way that the result could go but next week we are going to have to start saying goodbye to some of our favourites yes well and we said that last week didn't we we said after Simon's gone it's now every week we're going to be disappointed with whoever goes in general, yeah. I mean, there are some that we prefer and some that we don't. But in general, you know, it, we're going to be sad with whoever's gone home. Yeah, I, like, um, I expect next week Molly to get a significant bounce from being yeah. in the bottom two. Yeah. Uh, they will go on and on about it. And uh, bottom two, maybe, well, I guess we've not really seen the dancers. Ruth's got a Paso Doble next week. And we That's don't know what. Two. So Johnny will be back in ballroom. Yeah, so Johnny will be safer next Fine. week because he's in ballroom. Anton and Anton and Ruth are going to be in Latin and doing a paso. That's going to be a car crash. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, David <laughs> has got a American smooth. Uh, Molly is not going to be in trouble. So Joe is going to be doing Latin, and he could potentially be in trouble. Yeah, so it could be Ruth and Joe, but it's probably going to be Johnny. But I don't know. I, 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 I'm just getting ready. I'm just preparing myself. Yeah, no, that's fine. But I think I think when Johnny has ballroom is better for Johnny. He's he's better at ballroom. Okay. 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 I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in any way disappointed if either of those Ruth or Johnny went, uh, as neither of them I'm particularly attached to. I'd be disappointed if Johnny went because I've got money on him winning. <laughs> <laughs> And I haven't learned how to spread my bets out yet because he has to stay in until I get to Georgia so that Ewan can teach me how to do the like thing where you spread your bets out. And I don't know what that's called, but <laughs> Johnny has to stay in until I go to Georgia. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be quite tight. 
Um, I realise that. Uh, so, right. We are nearing the end now. We are all going a little bit crazy. So let's have some nominations for Spooky Frock of the Spooky Week. John, oh, we do this every time. Oh, Spooky Frock. You can nominate AJ's trousers if you want. Well, let's go for AJ's trousers. <laughs> um, a special I mean, mention, a special mention. A special mention for AJ's trousers there. To be fair, we did nominate Anton's trousers the other week as well, didn't we? So. Well, indeed, we could just forget the trousers and just say AJ. How about, how about <laughs> we, we just say AJ right. from the week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my special mention uh, is for Karen's steampunk outfit. Whatever you think of the dance, Karen looked amazing. Um, and, oh yeah, Alexandra Burke's Beautifully distressed party dress. Yes. Agree with those two and would add Jeanette's soft, grey, pewter, cool dress that she was wearing as well. I thought that looked stunning. So those would be my top three. I'm going to do something really controversial this week. I'm going to award Frock of the Week to someone who's never won it before. <gasps> but she looked the most stunning I have seen her look on my television ever. Frock of the week, Tess Daly. The most stunning. And to be fair, it's Halloween. And DSI have gone all out and done their big thing. I don't really want to, like, pull one out above the other. But Tess looked phenomenal in that Philip Armstrong red wiggle dress. I thought the shoulders were particularly geometrically interesting. The whole, th I'm, hang on, I'm going to bleat on about this. The whole thing, her hairstyle, her makeup, the dress on her figure, the shoes it was with, the way that she walked in it and held herself in it was just stunning. There you go, I'll, I'll stop fangirling Tess Daly. I never thought the day would come. So that's a thing that's just happened. <laughs> and that was Halloween week on Strictly uh, Good night John Good night Good night Lisa Good night Don't have nightmares Keep dancing